This is Daryl Alfonso, author of the MarTech Handbook, Build a Technology Stack to Attract and Retain Customers, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named as one of the top marketing podcasts by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message that you're a listener and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. This episode is sponsored by Marketing Architects, creators of the all-inclusive TV advertising concept that's so revolutionary, they wrote a book about it. I'll tell you more and how to get a copy of the book in a few minutes. Now, let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome Daryl Alfonso to talk about his book, The MarTech Handbook, Build a Technology Stack to Attract and Retain Customers, published by Kogan Page. Daryl Alfonso is an award-winning marketer and MarTech thought leader. He has consulted for leading companies such as GE, AT&T, and Abbott Laboratories, helping them achieve astounding business results through the strategic use of marketing technology. Daryl launched the industry's first professional certification marketing operations and has trained hundreds of marketing professionals worldwide. Daryl was named one of the top 50 marketers in the U.S. by Propolis and is an international keynote speaker who, in 2022 alone, spoke in London, Dubai, San Francisco, and many other places. Daryl spent nearly four years leading marketing operations at Amazon Web Services before starting his current role as Director of Marketing Strategy and Operations at Indeed.com, the world's number one job site. Daryl's a top LinkedIn content creator where he writes weekly MarTech and marketing operations tips for his more than 40,000 followers. And interesting fact, he enjoys binging Netflix shows with his wife, Janet, and their Pomeranian dog, Stella. Daryl, congratulations on the MarTech Handbook, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much, Douglas. And what an intro. I've, it's been long my dream to have you read my intro on this podcast. As you know, I've been a longtime listener of the Marketing Book Podcast. And um, you know, to be, to be amongst some of my heroes, uh, what, what a treat for me. So thank oh, you so much for having well, me. Well, welcome. Welcome home, Daryl. It's great to have you on, and I'm honored to know that you're a Marketing Book Podcast listener. I know a lot of authors enjoy listening to other authors talk about their books, so it's, it's good to have you, and this is a phenomenal book, and I'm excited to be able to interview you about it. And it's not a topic that I've had on quite a bit, but recently I interviewed Debbie Gagish about her new book, From Backroom to Boardroom, and it's all about marketing operations. So those are uh, two books, this book as well as hers, that are uh, would be of great interest to anyone that's interested in marketing operations or, or MarTech. So one personal question, Daryl, when you married Janet, did you sing this song at the wedding reception? I have one thing to say, and that's, damn it, Janet, I love you. <laughs> no, if, if I had known about that song, maybe. That's from maybe. A Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's all kinds of really uh, worthless uh, pop culture stuff on this show. Just, you know, there's no charge for that to you, dear <laughs> listener. I just want you to, to know that. But actually, 
this week, while I was reading your book, preparing for this interview, this one song kept going through my head, and it's a a very touching uh, love song from one of the greatest movies in film history. And that film, Daryl, is Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, I love technology, but not as much as you, you see. But I still love technology, always and forever. I guess that's sort of the, uh, the theme song for all marketing technologists. Yep, yep, and I love that movie. Um, <laughs> you know, I, ha- I have to ask you, are you a speed reader or something? No. How, how are you able to get through so many books? You've had so many authors on, and I, I, I can't imagine you've had my book for more than a couple of weeks. Just Probably just a week or so, right? Yeah, well, no, I, I had it for a while because your uh, publisher sent it to me a while back, mm-hmm. and then I start reading it about a week beforehand, and it's easy for me to do because there's really nothing else to do, Daryl. <laughs> and I'm kind of set up to do it, and you know what? It's not a chore. I, I really kind of enjoy it, and I keep learning so much, and we're going to talk about that every single book I read. And you know, you talk about your heroes on this show. I am like the sports reporter who can't believe he gets to interview the sports stars. I just have such admiration for people like you who write these books that can be, you know, you look back on your career and, you know, in my, my life, there are two books that came along at the right time and had a dramatic effect. And, and the right book at the right time, regardless of when or which book can really make a big difference. So that's why I, I enjoy doing it. So, you know, speaking of uh, your heroes, this book is endorsed by none other than Scott Brinker, who is the author of uh, the book Hacking Marketing, which was featured on the Marketing Book Podcast in 2016, episode 63. Wow. And he wrote, marketing is now thoroughly a technology-powered discipline. To thrive in today's environment, marketing organizations need to develop strong, mature, marketing operations, and MarTech capabilities. You couldn't ask for a better guide to achieving than Daryl Alfonso, a pioneering MarTech industry leader and marketing ops pro. The MarTech Handbook is a treasure map to world-class marketing in an age of digital transformation and beyond. And you talk about him uh, in the book. Now, this is a obviously a great book for marketers to read, but it occurred to me that any company that's investing a significant amount in marketing technology, whatever significant means to the listener, this is a great book probably for CFOs and like chief operating officers to read, not to mention CEOs, because there's a lot of money being spent and a lot of money being wasted, <laughs> sadly, on marketing mm-hmm. technology. And we're going to talk about that. But I mentioned marketers. I mean, I, I, if you are a marketer responsible for a significant amount invested in marketing technology every year, I don't see how you cannot read this book. Because if your boss comes in and starts asking you questions <laughs> about the some of the basics that are in this book and you don't have a handle on it, that's not going to be good, particularly if your boss listens to the <laughs> Marketing Book Podcast. And I should say there are CFOs that actually uh, listen to this podcast. So I'm going to quote from uh, page two. 
You're right. I have worked in marketing and MarTech roles for several years, initially at startups and mid-sized companies before moving to my current role at one of the world's leading organizations. In each role, I have leveraged marketing technology to enhance customer experiences and drive tangible business results. When it comes to smaller companies, MarTech helps the business acquire new customers faster. It allows teams to be agile and to continually test new strategies to optimize for the best possible outcomes. For mid-sized companies, MarTech can help solidify a company's position by connecting sales, marketing, and customer success to support continual revenue growth. MarTech reveals which programs are the most effective and how to constantly surprise and delight your customers. For large enterprises, MarTech can help thousands of employees create value for customers in every region of the world in a scalable, compliant, effective way. And then I want to jump over to um, page 15, where you write, it would be nice if you could subscribe to a social media advertising data analytics tool and simply wait for more leads and amazing business insights to pop out. <laughs> Unfortunately, however, that is the furthest possible thing from the truth. Operating and getting value out of MarTech takes two non-negotiable things. Daryl Alfonso, what are those two non-negotiable things? Those two non-negotiable things, Douglas, are talent and time. Ooh! <laughs> Please explain. Yeah. So, so often, marketing leaders and business owners think that the technology should just work and the data should just be in a perfectly formatted, perfectly structured and organized state so that you can just use the data, and then market to people. Like turning Almost on like, a light switch, right? That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's just like, okay, we turn, we turn on the light switch, and, and now we've got <laughs> a, a wave of customers coming in. But um, if you ask anyone that's been managing marketing technology for any length of time, you'll know that that's completely not true. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's, so many, there's so many reasons for that. The first reason is that these all of these different tools that we require to engage customers today where they are, they're all different and they come in different formats. You know, um, I liken it to business cards. You know, if someone gives you 10 different business cards from different companies, well, they're all going to be in different formats. You'll have a, a, some people might have their title, their address, their state, um, their company name. And to organize all of that, all those 10 business cards, even that takes time. Now, if you think about now organizing technology from 10 different companies and how long that will take and how much effort and expertise required, um, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time. So, mm -hmm. so talent and time are absolutely something that, that people take for granted when it comes to MarTech. It just seems like a big blind spot. And maybe they're uh, smoking hopium or something, thinking that everything is just plug and play and, you know, the unicorns and rainbows will appear and <laughs> suddenly companies will start wiring money to you. So, Daryl, as a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, I want to uh, let you know that this is the uh, stupid question segment of the interview. And I am supremely comfortable asking really stupid questions because like Forrest Gump, I'm not a smart man. So I want to go over to page 16 and quote where you say, the concepts in terms of MarTech marketing operations and marketing automation are often confused 
and in the worst case, used interchangeably. <laughs> Daryl, what is the difference between MarTech, marketing operations, and marketing automation? Yeah. So the reason this gets so confused is because there's so much overlap between all of these things. I mean, the marketing operations team typically manages the MarTech stack or, or, or the, the set of tools and technologies marketers use to get their jobs done. And the marketing automation platform of today meaning the, the platform that sends emails, allows customers to fill out forms, automatically tracks and reports them, that makes up a large part of the MarTech stack. So it's no wonder that that marketers get these terms really, really confused. But here's, here's a really simple way to, to think about it. I think about marketing operations as the art and science of executing great marketing. That's the planning, the strategy, the the process design, the analytics, all of those things. The technology. Uh, the, and the technology management, right. Mm -hmm. so, so, so one part of marketing operations is marketing technology or MarTech. Um, you know, and simply put, it's just the things we use, <laughs> us marketers, to get our jobs done, right? So that's mm -hmm. a part of marketing operations. Now, a part, again, a subset of MarTech is marketing automation. And marketing automation is the programmatic execution of all the activities that uh, marketers need to do to attract, um, retain, and delight customers. So, so if you think about these three terms in sort of concentric circles, you have marketing operations as the big one. MarTech as the one in the middle, and then the small part of it is marketing automation. Yes. So thank you for clarifying that. It's kind of like referring to appliances, but they could be a microwave and a deep freeze. Very different things, but they work well together. So the second chapter is about the business need for MarTech. And the the business need is really very obvious to me, but I'm too close to it. You know, I have the probably the curse of of knowledge. But since this has a whole chapter, I mean, there's only 11 chapters in your book. <laughs> this has a whole chapter devoted to the business need uh, of MarTech. I suppose there's not a lot of understanding uh, in the business world for you know all that goes on with MarTech. And I could just, as I was reading this, I was imagining some chief financial officer thinking about what their marketing department needs. And you know they're probably saying to themselves something like, those people in marketing, don't they just need more construction paper and scissors and glue and maybe some crayons? And speaking of crayons, I'd like to acknowledge those marketing book podcast listeners who are veterans of the United States Marine Corps. Thank you for your service. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. So I touched on this earlier. Let's underscore uh, how MarTech helps businesses to talk about some of the things that it does. And I want to talk about this because I can imagine every salesperson for a MarTech vendor <laughs> is saying these things. But if it comes from you, maybe it'll be different. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of the, this is based on what industry you're in. If you work in tech or if you work in software as a service, this, this stuff is you know, pretty standard. But, you know, for, for other industries, if you think about manufacturing, if you think about oil and gas, if you think about um, financial services, a lot of this, you know, might be new. And mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the whole point of 
you know, we're moving away from the days where marketing just means a commercial or a magazine ad or a billboard. A promotion, right? yeah. Promotion. Mm-hmm. Today's customer is digital, and they even get their TV, their 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 content now from these digital channels. Um, people are on social media. People are on different digital communities, and it requires specific tools and technologies to be able to create these engagements that customers will respond to and love and ultimately form a relationship with your brand. So the first part of this need for MarTech is that sort of transition that the consumer has already made from traditional or analog to digital. So mm-hmm. that's that's the first one. The second one that I really want to point out is this idea of automation. And I, 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 I love this idea so much. Um, and this also can help you really kind of simplify what you might need to do your marketing mm-hmm. um, or what, what you should pick for your MarTech. So here's, here's a quick example. Um, here, here's what you could do to make, to, to, to really create a good customer experience. Let's say your customer goes to your website and fills out a form, right? And they're, they're, they try to download something and they, they download a, um, an ebook. And then you personally craft an email based on who that customer is, what they want, what industry they're from, and provide some educational value of how they can take the next step and get to know your brand better. So you craft a perfect email like that, and then you send that to that person. Right, so there's there's really no technology being used other than your your Outlook or Gmail, mm-hmm. right? That that that's that's pretty much all that's happening. Now, this creates a really great experience. Now, how do we do that when there's a thousand customers a day filling out that form, and they're all different, right? We know what a good customer experience looks like, a communication that provides value to that customer and helps them get to know your brand better, but how can we do that across a thousand, maybe even for, you know, for some of these large brands, a million customers are, you know, are filling out the website. And that's when technology really shines. We can start to automate things that we know work well already and create a great customer experience again and again and again, where you, it's, it's not possible at all to do manually or from an analog level. TV advertising is a powerful channel for business growth, and it's a counterintuitive solution for businesses frustrated by the rising costs of digital marketing. But the traditional process for launching TV campaigns is expensive, time-consuming, and complex. That's why marketing architects flip the traditional process on its head. With all-inclusive TV advertising, they invest their own money to produce, analyze, and optimize your TV campaign. All you pay for is media, setting you up for rapid growth at a significant cost advantage. This approach to TV is so revolutionary... They wrote a book about it. It's called All-Inclusive TV, How Booming Brands Are Reimagining TV Advertising. It explores how a variety of brands are using TV to transform their businesses and how you can do the same. For a copy of the book, visit this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com or visit marketingarchitects.com slash book and tell them you heard about it on the Marketing Book Podcast. So there are a lot of salespeople listen to the Marketing Book Podcast. I'm always so impressed and <laughs> that these folks are listening. Talk about how MarTech actually helps achieve better sales and marketing alignment. 
Yeah. So there's a couple of things. First, it's really getting clear on who the best customers are to target. And this comes from the idea of segmentation. Mm -hmm. I think that there are so many, um, one of the big mistakes that sales or marketers can make is thinking that their audience is everyone and that their ideal customers is everyone. Mm -hmm. So, So with marketing technology, specifically maybe marketing automation um, combined with a customer relationship management system or CRM, you can really get clear on which customers are most likely to buy and could really use your products and services. So segmentation is the first one. Secondly, you can use automation again to effectively improve and optimize the lead handoff process. And by lead handoff, I mean, and this is typically in a a B2B um, use case, marketing generates leads for salespeople, and they only want to pass over the the most qualified ready-to-buy leads. Now, they can do this, again, on a one-to-one basis, like a marketer can take a look and say, okay, this this lead looks really good for the salesperson. I'm going to pass this one over. This one looks great. But how do you do that when there's 12,000 leads that come in? How do you sort all of them? And that's when we can when we when we use uh, when we can use technology to sco- to score, sift, and sort, and send over only the best sales ready leads to the sales team. And that that does great wonders to have a great lead handoff process, but also build a great relationship between marketing and salespeople. Yeah, and I think the visibility is real important. I don't know how you can start to get better sales and marketing alignment if you aren't using a CRM and and uh, you're uh, you know s- marketing is able to see uh, what kind of follow ups happening and uh, sales is able to see uh, what's what's coming down the pike. So I want to read from uh, page thirty six from that same chapter where you write, it has been a broad concern that many companies do not invest in MarTech at the appropriate level, and even more so in the areas of talent and training, (laughs) which we touched on. In other words, many marketing teams feel there could be tremendous business value in buying additional MarTech solutions and to invest in the people to operate them, but they are having a hard time getting budget approved. What have you found to be the the biggest impediments to getting more budget for these marketing people? That's a really good question. I think there's, there's two parts of it. Um, one is there is a lack of executive buy-in in what the MarTech will actually do and how it's going to drive business impact. So, so some, uh, a, a common misstep when when mark when marketers go to implement new technology is they don't convince their leadership at the executive level of what is the the talent needed the time needed and the investment needed to actually get martech off the ground and implemented in a really smart and thoughtful way that will drive scalable and repeatable results so executive buying is the first uh missing Pro, uh, missing thing that I that I think many marketers um, overlook. The other thing is not talking and having a really clear communication line with the people that are actually going to be using the tool on an everyday basis. Mm. Um, and this is a this is a this can be a really big problem when 
This is kind of like the opposite, where an executive is saying, oh, okay, we see our competitors using this tool. Let's go ahead and buy that, put this in place, without informing or getting feedback from the actual people that are going to be, the actual practitioners that are going to be using the tool to get an understanding if the tool will be helpful in the first place. Um, so, so those two big disconnects, I think, are are pretty perva- pervasive um, in both startups and enterprise companies. And I should add that of the 11 chapters, there's an entire chapter on buy-in and how to get buy-in, just to show how important that is. And we're going to talk about uh, both of the things that you uh, mentioned there. I want to jump to the chapter on what is a MarTech stack? And you write, these three tools are disproportionately important in a MarTech stack. The marketing automation platform, MAP, the customer data platform, CDP, and the customer relationship management system. Can you explain briefly what those three things are for you know somebody who's just not familiar with it? I, I, I jokingly uh, refer to some listeners as thrusters because <laughs> they may have been like the head of engineering for 20 years at a company, and suddenly the CEO says, oh, you're now in charge of marketing. <laughs> and they're suddenly thrust into a whole new world, and they start listening to this podcast and others and, and learning all they can, and they're trying to get wrap their heads around it. So I'm going to assume that there are some folks that are just not familiar with marketing automation, customer data platforms, and what, what a CRM is. And then I was less familiar with the CDP, to be honest with you, and I I want to then ask you to explain the difference between the CDP and the CRM because I was actually struggling a little bit with that. Okay, this is a really good question. Now, before we even talk about what these things, what these specific tools are, let's talk about what are the things that most marketing teams really need to do to get their job, jobs done. And if we think about it from a, from a B2B lens, just for this example, um, marketers need to do these things. They need to align with their sales team, right? Because that's the only way um, business results happen <laughs> when sales happen. <laughs> they need to engage with customers on different types of channels, right? And then they need to manage and understand customer data, both data on who the customers are and the data on how those customers interact with our campaigns. So those are three core jobs to be done that pretty much every marketing team needs to do. And if you take a look, these three things line up with these three platforms. So align with sales is the customer relationship management system or CRM. Many of us know the name Salesforce. That's that's what we're doing. We're, we're managing customer relationships and their accounts and their contacts and their leads and their deals, right? So that's, that's CRM. The next job to be done is engage the customer. This typically happens from a marketing automation platform. You know, think about managing websites, website visits, landing pages, emails, and much more. So we are engaging the customer through means of a marketing automation platform. These are your Marketo, HubSpot, Pardot, many other tools. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we think about managing customer data. Remember, managing the data about who our customers are and managing the data of how they interact with campaigns. Well, if we think about this, that data is 
disparate. It's spread across all of these different systems, right? So, so who our customers are might be in some sort of database. Um, how they interact with our customers, how they interact with our campaigns, that might be spread across an email tool. That might be spread across, um, you know. Uh, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, what have you. So what a CDP does or customer data platform is it brings all of that information together so you can have a single view of what's happening with your customer. So to summarize, you've got three core jobs to be done and then the three core platforms that support those jobs. And this is where I'm uh, struggling just a little bit because wouldn't all that data be in the CRM? No, so that's a common that's a common misunderstanding. So let let's say um, let's say you have your your um, you know your 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 Facebook ads, right? Um, and you want to see okay how many how many how many impressions did those ad ads get? What were the the cost of those ads? How many of those how many of those ads converted um, leads into paying customers? Now you can bring over some of that information into the CRM, um, it, it would take a good amount of work to do so. But like, um, for, but instance, where, for instance, Daryl, like if somebody were to have clicked through a Facebook ad and taken an action, it seems like that would be helpful for a salesperson to see in a CRM rather than a customer data platform. Yeah, um, there's a couple things. So that would absolutely be helpful to have in the CRM for, for a salesperson. I think that when the CRM and the CDP have really different sort of use cases. And the CDP tends to be a little bit help, more helpful for marketers and for people looking at customer engagement programs a- across the business and, and, and across m- many different customers. So when, when you think about a CRM, you think about a tool that will give you informa- give a salesperson information that they need to help close a deal. So, so, you, so you will have a lot of that that data in there. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's there when when especially when it comes to planning, especially when it comes to segmentation, um, when it comes to customer actions. So a really popular thing that to go into a CDP is product and service usage data, and that is what are customers doing on your platforms? What are they? What products are they buying? You know, are they on a free trial? How often do they log in? All of that data, that's a tremendous amount of data, and that typically cannot fit into the CRM. Mm-hmm. And that's another another way where um, a customer data platform will shine. All of that being said, there's a ton of information that might be overwhelming for a salesperson. Yes, to yes. Have to be and, and then they might not ever use it. The CRM. And they might not ever use it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, we definitely want to simplify it as much as as possible for people that are inter- engaging with customers. But but that's not to say that data isn't important and that you can um, pull incredible insights and learn about your customers. And that's where a, a customer data platform really shines. Oh, good. Well, thanks for explaining that to this knuckleheaded podcaster. Now it's time to frighten the audience. <laughs> Let's talk about. Some of the potential pitfalls of building a MarTech stack. Feel free to include any horror stories you have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This is my favorite part to th- to, to really talk about because there's so many. Well, I should I should take us back to earlier where we said there's like this hope or misunderstanding that it's all just plug and play. <laughs> that seems like that's the 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 beginning point of a lot of these pitfalls. Yeah, and um. 
one of my favorite ones to start with is shiny object syndrome. <laughs> and marketers are particularly susceptible to that. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> so so this is the misconception that the newest and latest greatest technology is going to be the best one and it's going to be the perfect one for your business. And marketers are, you know, like that. You know, we see something, um, a new social media tool, uh, a new texting tool, um, a new data tool, and we automatically think, you know what? If only we had that tool, <laughs> then our marketing would really be great. <laughs> if we could only buy this tool, mm-hmm. it's going to fix all of our problems, and the, you know, the money is just going to be, you know, come, come on in because. Um, um, which is which is totally incorrect. The the truth is that number one, it's not really the tools are used to help achieve your objectives. They're not really there to help drive your strategy and 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 dictate how you're going to run your business. So you need to look at tools as just that things that are going to support you. And um, you know the second thing is to to really remember is that you can't buy a tool to fix bad marketing (laughs) or a broken process at your company like sales and marketing alignment. But absolutely. People think that, Oh, you know what? Um, If only we bought a tool, then my blog post content could get better. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or if only I bought a tool, then, then our email, our, our, our email copy would get better. And that's just not true. That, that is a, a result of fundamentally not understanding who your customers are and what they care about. Yes. And to go back to, Napoleon Dynamite, as all things should, they think that buying another piece of technology is going to be like voting for Pedro, where all your dreams will come true. And I think uh, there's another one you talk about, you know, you don't have the talent and they don't understand how long it takes to implement uh, some of this marketing technology. And and, and they don't, maybe they don't understand where the data is coming from. I want to ask one thing that I found very interesting, which is, uh, I think, from page 95. Why is it better, in your opinion, for marketing to manage the sales tech? So why should marketers manage the sales tech? Okay, so for those of you unfamiliar, sales tech, sometimes referred to as cadence tools, enable salespeople to um, be to automate a lot of their sales outreach. So instead of sending a single email, they may send seven emails over the course of seven weeks. And sales tech will have will, will, will automatically have them do that for them. Now, here's some of the challenges. Marketers tend to be better when they're thinking about the broad and overall customer journey. So whereas a salesperson is thinking about customers maybe one at a time or individually and what will speak to them, Marketers are typically thinking about um, the entire customer experience and what they see. So we can take that lens and 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 really look at the emails and the different touch points that the sales tech is enabling and making sure that those are coming together in an orchestrated, considerate, and not disjointed way. A big part of that is the messaging, right? So so we want to make sure that. Um, and by the way, with sales tech, it enables one salesperson to reach many more people than they normally would. So if they were to reach, if they were thinking about reaching 50 people a day, sales tech allows them to reach 500 people a day. And when you're reaching that many customers that quickly, you really want to nail down and make sure 
the messaging and positioning are the things that we want to say in a way that we think the customers are going to it is is going to resonate with our customers. So that's the reason why marketers should manage sales tech or at least have a big influence in what goes into the sales tech. And do you find that the sales teams push back against that or they're happy to have somebody helping them with it? You know, I will say that it depends. <laughs> there there are um salespeople um, and I think that that's just that's just kind of the diverse nature of the people that you work with. There are some salespeople that are pretty territorial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they like to you know control what their customers see in their specific um, um, portfolio of accounts, um, which is which which tend to be the the harder people to to work with. Um, there are some salespeople that are very open to feedback and open to other people sort of 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 helping and giving them that that those sort of templates and 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 messaging uh, that, that they can use. So it really depends on the sales team. Daryl, one of my favorite sentences in the book is where you write the collection of tools within the Martech stack should be organized around the customer journey. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? And, you know, focusing on the customer is easy to say, but really, it seems to be one of the most difficult things for organizations to do. So, it kind of warmed the cockles of this podcaster's heart <laughs> when you talked about that. But I want to ask you, uh, in, uh, I think it was page, let me see here, page 98, for those playing the home game, you were talking about frameworks for effective uh, MarTech stack design. And you write about the importance, you write about several things, but one of them I wanted to pull out was the importance of simplicity over complexity. And I found that interesting and maybe a little obvious, but it made me wonder, is that rare? Is simplicity sometimes a a secondary concern when building a MarTech stack? Good question. This is such an important point. I think that um, a lot of, and this is one of the reasons I wrote the book, a lot of marketers get overwhelmed by just the sheer number of technology available and, and the platforms that they have to deal with that they make things complicated and they forget some of these, like you said, almost commonsensical um, ideas and principles about marketing that we have to remember. <laughs> things like, you know, we need to create a good customer experience. Things like we want to reduce friction for the customer. We want we want to have them perceive the value in our products and services. And we end up sort of victim of all the things the technology want us to do. And that is the backwards way of thinking about it. And one of the biggest pitfalls I'll share a really quick story with you. I was consulting for a really big brand. I'm not going to mention any names, but when I looked at the campaign that they had to do, they were they were promoting this this white paper. And I kid you not, the customer had to fill out two separate forms in order to get to the white paper. Form number 1 and then inside the little white paper display, they had to fill out another form two separate forms. And I just looked at the marketer how, how and I said... How minuscule was the conversion rate? <laughs> <laughs> I fear to, fi- to find out. Yeah. And I, I look at the marketer and I say, this is kind of a 
bad experience, don't you think? And their response to me was, you know, that, that's the way the technology works. We'll try to improve it next time, but, but there's really nothing that we can do. And, you know, this, I've, I've, I've never forgotten that. And, and that was one of the, the drivers for me to, to write this book was, was just to remind people that strategy should drive the technology and, and not the other way around. And when we really have to remember that, and and you, you you talk about customer journey, this is the, this is the best way to to think about Martech and to simplify it for everyone. We want we 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 want to paint a picture of what a good customer experience is, and then once we have that, we need to map out the journey and how they get there, and that's when we start to slot in the 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 applications, the Martech that will help us get to that point. Right. It's not okay. What are the features that HubSpot has? Okay. <laughs> right. What and and now that becomes our marketing plan. Yes. Or what are the features that Salesforce has? Oh, great. You know, if they've got these ten features, well, that's going to be our marketing plan. Those ten features. That's completely backwards. And I hope I hope that that people understand that this main theme of the book of letting strategy drive your technology and not the other way around. Yes, and authors like Philip Kotler and Mark Schaefer often write about how the most human company wins. <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm hearing when you say, let's think about this person called the customer. <laughs> what do they want and how can we how can we help them? I want to jump to page 100 because this is one of those sections that I just loved. I mean, it was only like one page long and ask you what does an ineffective MarkTech stack look like? And I think some listeners might cringe when they hear you talk about it. Yeah, this is this is another one of my favorite parts. So, so one thing, and you'll see this all the time, especially at enterprise companies, are tools that exist across the company that do the same thing. You know, uh-huh. you've got like three platforms that send email. You know, two platforms that do reporting, um, and you know. It's one of those cases where the right hand doesn't know what the left's doing, right? You, you, you because of that misalignment, because of the, the the no overarching strategy behind Martech, you have a lot of redundancy, which is, on one hand, a waste of money. Secondly, it creates a poor customer experience. If you're sending out emails from two different platforms, um, I, I guarantee you, your customers are getting multiple emails from you on the same day might be around the same time. So so redundancy is a terrible part uh, and, and a, a really bad symptom of, of really bad Martex, uh, an ineffective MarTech stack. Mm-hmm. The other one um, that I want to call out is underutilized, okay? There's, there's a term for this when tools don't get used. We call it shelfware. Oh, shelfware, that's right. Shelfware. Yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, shelfware, <laughs> when, when tools sit on the me- metaphorical shelf in the garage because no one's using them. <laughs> and n- number one, again, complete waste of money. But number two, y- you forget that this is also very demotivating for employees, you know, to know that there's these tools here that we're not we're not using, we're not getting value out of. Um, we don't know how to use. That's another big part, the training. We don't know how to use these tools. Therefore, we can't you know that 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 hits your morale pretty hard and 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 is yet another um symptom of an ineffective martech stack i want to ask about something you started to touch on which is 
you talked about shiny objects and how marketers love them. You love them. I mean, it's the humans love them, but I found this interesting. Explain, I think this is page 107. Explain what you mean when you urge readers to be wary of bleeding edge products when designing a MarTech stack. Because you earlier you talked about how, oh, it's the newest thing. You, you have a word of caution about that. So why should we be wary of the bleeding edge? So the, the, the word bleeding edge, um, you know, it, it, I, I, I think, and I have to verify this, comes from like the, the um, healthcare industry where they come up with these solutions and um, it's so new that there are some benefits, but we aren't exactly sure what the consequences of them will be, <laughs> okay. you know, it comes no, it makes medicine, even more it comes sense. Yeah. Medicine and a bleeding edge. So when it comes to, to, to MarTech, bleeding edge refers to brand new tools and technologies, you know, things that were just were released last quarter and you want to mm-hmm. try them out on your tools. There's a few different problems with that. One is the long-term sort of reliability of that software. I'm sure, you know, Douglas, but in, Today's macroeconomic headwinds, companies close, companies get acquired, companies do layoffs, mm. products are not supported anymore. So if you're picking products, you know, the, the number of products that, that pop up every month, you may be looking at next year not having the support that you need to keep that product going. So long-term is the first part. The second one is integrations. Um, and this is why especially the bigger companies, the enterprise companies, really benefit from these best-in-class services because they have already planned for these integrations to connect with everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, Salesforce is one of the best examples. It integrates with almost 10,000 different applications in its marketplace. So if if you have tools, there's a really good chance it integrates with Salesforce. If you're using a bleeding edge tool, you'll probably have to build it yourself or, or pay for someone to do it. And lastly is this idea of robustness, okay? Ro- marketers, um, you know, misuse this term robust sometimes. Robu- they think robust means like maybe big or meaty. But when it comes to technology, robust means it's able to um, withstand many different scenarios and many different um, sort of headwinds that can happen. So, so, and these these when these these different scenarios could be all of a sudden your company doubles in size. You need te- um, you know double the double the size of users, double the database size, double the number of campaigns that you're doing. You know, real time. So, so all of these changes, these bleeding edge tools have trouble sort of sort of supporting things that they have not supported before, and that's why you want to typically spend your money on tried and true technologies versus those bleeding edge. I'm not saying don't experiment, but be wary of of some of those consequences. Yes. And in another part of the book, you recommend selecting industry-leading solution for your core marketing systems. Don't shy away from those. Look, look at that because there are some very real considerations. So, so we've established you know some of the basics uh, of the, the MarTech stack. And then the devil's in the details <laughs> when you get to chapter seven, where you talk about all the other cool, uh, you know, you call them value add marketing platforms and tools. And I have a feeling this is where things really get kind of clogged up. Also, it reminds me of that TV show, uh, a game show, I think it was uh, Supermarket Sweep, where <laughs> people would 
go into a grocery store and have a limited amount of time and they would try to throw as much product into the shopping cart as they possibly could. That's what I started envisioning when I was reading this chapter about how marketers can start going crazy with all the add-ons. You write, now that you have the core MarTech platforms in place, it's time to start adding ancillary tools to your stack, but you can't take a lackadaisical approach to purchasing tools. It's important to add MarTech strategically. So again, remind folks... Uh, what they should be thinking before they find that next shiny object that they're just going to throw in the shopping cart. Yeah, yeah, this is such a great one. There's two things that you really need to think about, you know, um, and 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 again, after you have the core jobs to be done, um, the best way to go about adding tools is thinking about the customer experience. You know, and I, I think about it like this. Let's say you envision a great customer experience. Your customer is going to get an email. They're going to click on a link, and they're going to they're going to come to a, a landing page with a form, so they can they can download something, and they fill out the form, and the data will. They only have to fill out a little bit of information. The data will already be enriched, and then they'll 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 get a confirmation in their inbox. So so that's a, a, a great experience. Now, what are the things that you need to um, support that experience? Well, we talked about, you know, a landing page with a form. So this this might be um, a, a landing page builder that, that, you know, a marketer can use and construct their own landing page and create a, a, a beautiful design and a beautiful experience. If it's not already on the marketing automation platform. If it's not already not on the marketing automation platform. True, true. Um, but but they may want something different. You know, they may want something um, more custom for the event, but they don't want to rely on a developer. So so they'll need a tool that automatically builds that for them. They'll want a data enrichment tool since you know, maybe they'll only want to ask for a first name and email address and company name, but we we want a lot of other things like the company size, the industry, number of employees, revenue, right? Industry. We want all of those things. So we'll need a we'll need a a um, a data enrichment uh, platform to do that for us. Now, so so those are those are great ways to start to you know once you have created this this idea of ideal customer experience, it will naturally give you this short list of vendors that you'll need to support that. And it's a much better way of of, of, of picking than your supermarket sweep example, right? Where you're mm-hmm. just going through uh, G2 or, or <laughs> what, 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 whatever, whatever sort of catalog yeah. and sort of picking and choosing based on which one has the best logo or which one has the best um, um, tagline. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, so um, the, so customer experience is the first one to think about. The other one is you really need to think about integrations with your current stack. So one thing that marketers tend to neglect is the concept that data, in order for in order for a really good customer experience to happen and great marketing to happen, the data needs to flow seamlessly throughout all the tools of your stack. Okay. So so for example, maybe it starts with your CRM. We pick a segment of data within your CRM. That segment needs to be transferred over to a marketing automation platform so that you can email 
you know, those people, that the data that comes back needs to be put into some sort of reporting tool or data visualization tool, and eventually needs to make its way back to the CRM. So there's a there's a connectedness of a, Mar- a MarTech stack that is so important. Otherwise, you're just importing and exporting data, doing VLOOKUPs all day long, you know, <laughs> for, for people familiar with, with Excel and, and, and how you, how you, you know, mix and, and, and cross-reference things. VLOOKUP is, is how you do that in Excel. So anyway, the, 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 it's, it's ideal that the platforms you pick integrate seamlessly already with your tech stack, and that will save you so much headache and so much heartache. Yes, and another great, great line, if people don't take anything else away from this interview, is on page 136, where you write, a primary objective of MarTech is to improve the customer experience. Can you dig it? And then on that same page, you write, two questions that help improve customer experience is to ask are customers getting what they want from this touch point? And how can we deliver the experience of that touch point in a more delightful way? <laughs> so it's, oh my goodness, so easy to get distracted by all the the tech and forget about the, the human element. Now, I want to mention that the book is filled with a whole lot of uh, information that we don't have time to go through, but it's like questions to ask a potential uh, MarTech manager, or the questions you should be asking a MarTech vendor, or you know what to look for in a demo. You know all the tech companies are offering demos. Uh, how to manage a pilot program, and I think I got the impression more people should do pilot programs before they give a credit card. And also, you've got questions to ask MarTech agencies. So, Daryl, I have a feeling this book's going to be around for a long time. You're probably going to need to update it in the years ahead. <laughs> so for the second edition of the book, can you include that companies should also ask MarTech agencies if they listen to the Marketing Book Podcast? <laughs> I will. I will. I, and I, I don't need an answer this. right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I recommend this. You know, I recommend this podcast to all my, all my friends and colleagues, too. Oh, and, thank you. Um, the the key here, and again, kind of going back to the central theme of the book, is that it's 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 about it's about marketing best practices and going back to first principles. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yes. It's that it's I I wanted to bring this this sort of simplified common sense thing to 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 marketers to help to remind them that that you know start with the customer and then bring in the tools to 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 make that experience better. You know, and 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 one thing that I that I have to talk about for the for for asking, uh, talking about Martech uh, agencies and people to help, people should be able to you know experts, subject matter experts, consultants, they should be able to explain to you what's happening in a very easy to understand way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can't, it's probably they don't they don't know it well enough themselves. So so that's all, that's I find that a very important part of picking partners and vendors to work with is this this transparency and like this clear understanding of what's happening. Yeah, and one thing that I found interesting about talking to agencies, I mean again, you have the questions in here that you should be asking them and that agencies should be prepared to answer, but one of them is identifying solutions versus problems. You want to make sure you are working with an agency that will bring forward tenable solutions and help you deliver them versus constantly finding more problems within your your business. Oh my goodness, sounds like you've dealt with some of those folks, but if you find the right ones, it can really make a, a big difference. 
this this goes beyond just goes beyond agencies. This is a really important thing in picking an agency. But this you'll you'll hear this among your coworkers too. There's the sort of people that explain why things can't be done, or all the problems and all the missteps and all the things of why hey that's not going to work here. <laughs> you know that's that's why it's not going to work here. And then there's the people that talk to you, and you get this clear sense of they're saying hey this is where we want to go, and these are the things that we need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important that your agency works that way. And it's important that we work that way, you know, very future oriented, solution oriented and, you know, solve, solve problems versus <laughs> continually bringing, bringing issues to the table without any solutions. Yes. Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, I learned so much from every single book that is featured on the show and a term I didn't know or have, a, I don't remember ever hearing it before from your book is called uh, technical debt. And I think you started to touch on this earlier where you were talking about not having value-added tech that is helping you. Like, in other words, it's creating more work. Is Can you talk about what technical debt is? I found that very interesting. Yes. So technical debt is, you know, a term that scares people, especially on the marketing technology side or any sort of technology team. And it's what happens when you choose short-term solutions rather than long-term sustainable solutions for 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 your for your, your to solve your technical problems. Mm-hmm. Um, an example is, you know, let's say you put together you put together this report and um, you know a marketer asks for a report on opens, email opens and email conversions and email email sense. So so you 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 provide that report to them. And then all of a sudden, another marketer wants the same version of the report, except for, you know, in a different region. So now you have two separate reports. It, 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 would, have, it would have been easier to revisit the first report and add in, you know, different views, add in additional data. But now you have two separate reports that you have to manage. And then, and then a third marketer comes and a fourth marketer comes. So now you're having to manage four separate reports. Right now, technical debt refers to now how difficult it is to rein all of this information in and put together something that works for everyone. So it refers to how much time it's going to take um, um, to fix and remedy what should have been done right the first the, the first in the first time. Mm-hmm. So that's what technical debt is, and and it and it happens when you apply short term thinking to long-term problems. Right. Like, we'll, we'll just do this one ourselves this first time. <laughs> and then you end up doing it every single time. Yep. And it, it's this idea of needing to be strategic and needing to, needing to really think things through before you apply MarTech solutions. Yeah. And it seems like in the case of a report, you get do it once, they're going to say, well, you did it for me before. Can't you just run those numbers? <laughs> just give me one more report. Let's just jump ahead. There's just a couple of things I want to ask before we wrap up. And one of them that surprised me is that you write that it's important to clearly outline who owns marketing technology at your organization. And I was surprised by that. Is it not always marketing? Yeah. So... Um you know, to be honest, at different companies, um, the ownership of Martech can be can can um, reside in different teams. So sometimes it's it's at smaller companies, it's just marketing and they they manage it themselves. As your your company grows and matures, it can tip, typically owned by a specialist team. That specialist team could be marketing operations mm. or maybe Martech specialists or technologists. 
At even the uh, the largest of companies, um, MarTech can be owned by an IT group. And here's the reason for that. The reason is that it takes full-time jobs and, and, and a lot of technical resources to maintain and manage systems of that size, databases of that size, and to be able to keep it up and running from a system performance standpoint. But regardless, whether MarTech is owned by IT or, or it's owned by marketers, there needs to be a clear owner because we need to know how we're judging success, how we're judging ROI. And if something happens, you know, who is going to be accountable to fix those problems? So that ownership is an important topic. Yes. And in the book, you explain why it's problematic for the information technology department to own the MarTech stack. And I've seen that. And that's not to take away from the the MarTech people. I mean, they, they have different skills. They have different priorities. And I've often seen the MarTech people relieved <laughs> when they don't have to take ownership of all the marketing technology. Yep. Yep. So, the, like I said, the book only has 11 chapters. And as I mentioned before, you have an entire chapter devoted to getting buy-in. And I again, you know, and you talk about change management, but explain what getting buy-in actually means instead of somebody in the hallway saying, yeah, go ahead and buy it. <laughs> explain what getting buy-in really means and why it is so important for uh, for MarTech. I, there were a lot of landmines that you lay out in this book if you don't have buy-in. Yeah, buy-in is such an important concept, and it really involves the people. This is the part of technology in MarTech that is so often forgotten, is that MarTech is used by people. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Not just something that you buy and turn on. And you ideally actual, to help people. <laughs> to help people. Yeah. To help people. So, so yeah, number one, we talked about executive buy-in already because it's expensive and there needs to be a mandate that this is the tool that we're going to be using. Um, but you also want to get buy-in from the actual users, the stakeholders. This could be marketing or sales people, in the case of sales tech, that are actually going to be using it. Because I guarantee you, if there's a platform that people log into each day, maybe it's like a workflow management platform like Asana or Monday.com or Jira, and they 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 hate the interface and they hate <laughs> how they're they're using it, um, they're just not gonna they're just not gonna do it. So so making sure that people know why we're using this tool, how to use this tool, and then also properly measuring how much these tools are being utilized is so important and, and often goes overlooked. Yes, and you've got quite a bit about how to measure your MarTech. And that doesn't mean just leads. <laughs> it's, is, it, is it being used? Is it helping? And I found that interesting in the book where you talk about how you get people who are going to use the MarTech to be more likely to buy into it. The last thing I wanted to mention was uh, about change management. I just wanted to quote from uh, excellent paragraph on page 210, where you write, change management is incredibly important because whenever you implement something new, it requires a change of process or a change in the way people do things. For example, implementing a new sales automation tool may entail sellers having to change from using their personal work email accounts to using a different platform with different features and functionality, even transitioning to using different internal products and platforms requires 
change management. It's a very human characteristic to be resistant to change, and it typically stems from the fear of the unknown or a reluctance to take on additional work. People tend to get really secure and in a comfort zone when it comes to habits in the way that they work. What are some big tips on making sure that you are rolling out change the right way? Change management. There, you know, there are enti- there are entire books on this concept, <laughs> and here's here's the reason why people love the status quo. People are and and it's hard to blame them. People are busy. They have their own problems that they're thinking about. Marketers have their own campaigns they want to run. Salespeople have their own books of business that they need to manage. And when you say, "Hey, this thing is going to be different now," um, oftentimes it's the last thing. That they want to hear. Mm-hmm. So, so, so moving people from status quo to 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 change is 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 so is so is so dif- difficult. No matter, it, it goes beyond marketing technology, and that's why it's so important to uh, to do a couple things when when thinking about change management. Number one is really focusing in on the why it's happening. You know, and I often find that the best way to say that is, "Hey, look." The the an example is, "Hey, look." The problem is, you can't. Using your personal email, you can't track emails, you can't manage them, and you can't report on them. You know, we need to move to a new system. We're gonna, you're going to be using a different email platform, but look at all of the benefits you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You're going to you're going to automatically be able to follow up with people. You're going to see when your emails are being opened and read, and you're going to get reports at the end of the month. That's why it's so, it's so important, and that's why we need to do it. So so really. Honing in on the why is the first important part of change management. The second part is to actually invite criticism and invite people to share their concerns. Mm -hmm. Because you want to know what they're thinking, you want to know what's important to them, and you need to write out all of your answers to the objections. And you know what? Every now and then, you'll come across a valid objection. But that shows that they're engaged. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Not a bad thing. So... Daryl, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? So I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, and I'll continue to say it. Repetition is is a good thing. (laughs) You need to let strategy drive your technology and not the other way around. It is completely backwards to take a look at a list of features from your MarTech and let that be your plan for the year. Think about your customer and think about your business objectives and where you want to go and let your MarTech slot in and support you on your way there. That's how you use marketing technology. Can you dig it? Very well said. Daryl, let's give the listener one thing to do today uh, to get them thinking about this topic before the book arrives. What's one thing a listener could do today to put in action one of the ideas from your book? Yes, yeah, so I would say inventory the tools that you're using. You know, one one thing that I I I say in the book is, hey, I understand you probably aren't going to be starting from scratch. <laughs> you have tools that you're already using. So, so inventory them, take a look at what they do, what their value is and how they're helping you create a good customer experience, and I think that'll that'll be a good first step to seeing are hey, are there any gaps? That you have? Are there any redundancies? And and um, hopefully not. But are there any like shelfware that yes. uh, could, could be used some deprecation? That's such great advice, and I can imagine that almost every organization that does this is going to have somebody say, "Oh, we still have that." 
anymore. <laughs> is anyone still using that? And it makes me laugh because I look at the credit card statements for the company <laughs> each month and I would see something on there like, wait, wait, is anybody even using this? <laughs> so that was kind of a, a backwards way of, of getting rid of some of the shelfware. But looking back, what books have most inspired your work and career? Yeah, good question. So I'm actually a fan of the classics and also like not not just the not just the marketing books. So one I keep returning to every year is the book Management by Peter Drucker. Oh yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you you're probably really familiar with that one. Here's one thing that I've that 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 um you know I've told people. I think that, you know, good marketers really look at improving their marketing campaigns. Um but great marketers think like business owners and think like like business strategists mm-hmm. and and they 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 make marketing go far beyond just the promotional side of things and when i read um peter drucker's work um it's just incredibly strategic and insightful and makes you really kind of think about um what are the underlying common sense first principles things that we should be doing as marketers that think like business owners yes Boy, I tell you, that company first mentality, I could go for an hour talking about that. In fact, I've given talks about how there are a few things I've learned from all these 400-something books, and one of them is that the most successful marketers have a company first mindset. They understand what the company's trying to accomplish, and it really makes them stand out more than people realize. But uh, we could a, a discussion for another day. So... Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Yeah, I am halfway through the book Effortless by Greg McCowan. I think I pronounced his last name correctly. But he was the author of this this really popular book called Essentialism. Yes. And yeah, so his new book is called Effortless and I think it's 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 so fantastic. And the key concept is that you know Hard work is good, but it doesn't have to mean suffering. You know? <laughs> and, and and there's there are ways where we can drive really great business results um, without having to work nights and weekends. You know, and and um, so I, I highly recommend. I'm only halfway through it, but I, I highly recommend um, Effortless so far. It's it's a really great oh. mind shift, especially for people that work a lot, like me. Yeah, I see. It's uh, Effortless, make it easier to do what matters most. And his other book is Essentialism, which is the one I was more familiar with. Uh, Essentialism: The Discipline Pursuit of Less. Interesting. Well. At marketingbookpodcast.com, we're going to include links to everything linkable, including uh, all the books that have been mentioned and uh, your site, your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter account. And dear listener, please do me a big favor and reach out to Daryl and thank him for being a guest on the Marketing Book Podcast. I mean, you know, he is one of your fellow listeners. So congratulate him on the book and thank him for being a guest on the show. Uh, There's lots of ways to reach out to him. They're all going to be there at the show notes. And the guests on the show have told me how much they really enjoy hearing from Marketing Book Podcast listeners and not just because, like Daryl Alfonso, Marketing Book Podcast listeners are so ridiculously good looking. And if you are listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcast, all these links can be found by going to this episode right now and clicking on this episode's website link. Final quote page 229. One of the key ways 
to not only continually improve your MarTech strategy, but to continually improve your business in general, is to always be thinking about improving the customer experience. Think about your end customer. How are they learning about your company? How are they trying to read the content across your website? How are they finding you and trying to solve their problem? Continue asking these questions, even after acquiring prospects as customers. How are they using your products and services? How are they continually getting more and more return on their investment with you? Are they having a great experience and are they sharing and telling others? Now, when we look at business through that lens, we're looking at both technical and non-technical ways to support them and create a good customer experience. We can use technology to do that. Remember, that MarTech should always be about improving the customer experience. Can you dig it? The book is the MarTech Handbook. Build a technology stack to attract and retain customers. The author is Daryl Alfonso. Daryl, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks so much, Douglas. What a dream come true. It's been for me to be on this podcast, finally. <laughs> And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. Special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Marketing Architects, creators of the all-inclusive TV advertising concept that's so revolutionary, they wrote a book about it. For a copy of the book, All-Inclusive TV, How Booming Brands Are Reimagining TV Advertising, visit this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com or visit marketingarchitects.com slash book and tell them you heard about it on the Marketing Book Podcast. And if you are one of the legions of listeners who have left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast stuff. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the late, great Jim Rohn who said, formal education will make you a living, self-education will make you a fortune. <laughs>